doodly ding dong diddly do. Welcome to the Bullet Points Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ed Smith. I'm joined by another one of the hosts, Reed McCarter. That is the fakest energy I've ever heard. Ooh, biggity, bing bong bong. What a <laughs> nice evening it is to be recording a podcast. Hey, are you sleeping right now? Those games are eclectic and interesting. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. What I like most about them is their interactivity. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of that too. Are you of a similar opinion? Yeah, that's why I've gamified my life so I can interact all the time. A Ooh. true gamer interacts all the time. Right now, I'm interacting with this this uh, recorded call by speaking. And later, I'm going to interact with like have a cooking mechanic set up in my kitchen that I'm going to take advantage of. Do you ever mention my first meter? Do you ever interact with a person? No. They're the hardest game of all. <laughs> it's it's poor design. You know they mm. react. It's I I don't know. I'm not a big fan of emergent. I don't like this topic anymore. Well, uh, <laughs> wibbly wobbly bish bash bosh. Our other co-host is Astrid Budcore. Hello. How uh, are you, you guys? Actually, you actually sound genuinely enthusiastic. Yeah. I just had a cupcake, so I'm ready. Is that all it takes for you, really? Yeah. Well, it it levels me up to put it in terms you might understand. (laughs) It gets my energy bar throbbing. (laughs) Do you remember that bit in Scott Pilgrim when he goes to the toilet and there's a sort of urine meter that decreases (laughs) because um, it's a film with jokes uh-huh. in, you know do you get yeah. it do you get it edgar writes shame who's Scott the guy Pilgrim. who wrote the that comic uh brian, brian o'lee brian brian think. leo brian leo malley who sounds like yeah. someone who who shot a president <laughs> um <laughs> yeah scott pilgrim versus the world toronto ontario's own is scott he really hmm. yeah that whole that whole thing it's it's all Toronto centric. Talk, like about, talk about a victim complex versus the world. Get over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, is that reflective of the Canadian national identity? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Well, we've not just got Reed, we've not just got Astrid, we've not just got me. We've also got an award winning writer from Unwinnable, from Paste, from Waypoint. From lots of other places, Zam. Anywhere else? Have I missed anywhere off? Um, I feel no. This is so much pressure because if I forget somebody, they'll be they'll hate me. <laughs> no, you're bullet uh, points monthly. Bullet points monthly. Bullet points monthly. That that little known <laughs> repu- reputable publication. We've got Yusef Cole here to talk with us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk about this game that we have not yet announced that we're going to talk about that people will know about well having read the title of the podcast having read the title <laughs> of the podcast and i'll obviously read all the articles that we've published this month as well because everyone does don't they uh we are not giving anything away by saying that this episode is about metro both 2033 and last light now i i'm really uh, that right i'm done now i'm out of steam um, that, that's okay. it. I, that's my hosting like persona. I'm dropping it. Um, I've, I've hit the five minute mark. That's enough. So we're talking about Metro by 4A, which is a <laughs> derivative and plain and moribund shooter that no one, <laughs> no one likes. Um, no, it's all right. It's all right. It's got some bits, hasn't it? We're going to talk about those bits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are yeah. we gonna, shall we talk about the game separately or shall we talk about the series as a whole are there enough commonalities you think between the two games for us to just tackle I think it so. yeah they, they're pretty much of a kind I think yeah, yeah. you might we can you always might say it's the same game <laughs> it's the same well, game twice yeah I mean quite literally if you play like the aren't the remasters they're both on the same engine they like redid it so they're both That's right. the, the engine from the second game so they are very very similar yeah yeah uh all right well it's a post-apocalyptic scenario in russia mm. uh there were mm. do we ever find out what precipitated the war of metro 
nuclear weapons. Yeah, that's all we know. Yeah, I, I I don't know much about the Metro fiction. I haven't uh, gone and read the books or anything. But <laughs> have you not read the books? Considering that they're scattered throughout the game at every turn, <laughs> everyone's got a copy on their desk or in the toilet or like on the train. Yeah. Uh, no, I've not read the books either um, because they look. It seems like a pretty shit. traditional Cold War scenario. Like in the in the last act of the first game, like they they mention like sub. Uh, commanders like launching nukes or not launching nukes, like yeah. it's very referential uh-huh. to like some of the stuff that happened in the Cold War. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that and I think they they call it World War Three, don't they? Oh, do they? God, I mean, I played both of these games again before. Uh, in the last few weeks, I should remember this, but I don't. So. You should have read the book. Yeah. I <laughs> it didn't come from the library in time. <laughs> uh, Anyway, there's been a war. Everyone's dead, uh, except those who live in the metro, and some monsters which may hold the secret to humanity's future. Uh, you play. Oh my god, Artyom. Art, Art, this is Artyom. This is reprehensible. Art. Oh, say his name, someone. Artyom. I think you got it. Yeah, Artyom. 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 You play him as he uh, uh, explores the metro and his various political factions, some of them are communists some of them are Nazis, some of them are uh, not either of those. Third party (laughs) They're They're, uh, write-in ballots Independence. The Green Party there's the Remain, the Leave Um, (laughs) Yeah, anyway, 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 it's a kind of potted human history within the metro of Russia. Yusef, come on, help me out here. What did you think generally of these games? What is your overview of the Metro uh, brace? Yes, the, uh, the Metro games. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd basically say that they were very, very memorable um, and aesthetically like dense games that were really, like, the tone was really, really stands out in terms of just um, depicting this, depicting the world they wanted, they wanted to depict as people clinging onto life in this reused, you know, subway system, um, and kind of building a their own weird community out of it. And in terms of like the actual games, I I liked playing them. They're very rough <laughs> around the edges, especially like the stealth stuff in the first game. I forgot how bad it was. <coughs> it was very difficult to get through that, doing like playing stealthily like I wanted to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which sucks because that was some of the the more interesting interactions, like where you're kind of shooting out lights, and it, at least it promises you that interesting way to approach a level where you're just sneaking in the shadows and kind of circumventing security and stuff. But aside from that, I think I mean what they do best is the atmosphere and the tone and like. They give you all these interesting like elements that your character is attached to, like in terms of like um, pumping your weapons or your gas mask, as um, as Ed wrote about really well. And um, yeah, I think that really makes the game stand out aside, like in the shooter genre. Like it's it's a game about just like getting in the muck and grease of everything and and, and mm-hmm. kind of trying to. It depicts a, an apocalypse in a way that is p- like part and parcel of like the, or it's like it's kind of a ta- it's the apocalypse is like not just an overlayer of narrative. Like every every part of the game feels like gross and barely functional, and that's like what makes it so interesting to to play. I think and and just like the way it, I think also just the way it it throws you into interesting into um different like at, like different uh locations like whether you're in the town or the little stations themselves which are kind of where civilization exists or just like in the tunnel where it really feels like you're exposed or in the surface where you're definitely exposed and just like kind of the dichotomy and like contrast between those areas is really well done and and like makes me i think like what i like most about the game were just like the transitions between the different like ways the stages and the and the ways of um of uh, traversing through the world. 
Well, that sounds quite favourable. Astrid. I'm pretty favourable to it. Astrid, you mm -hmm. have a riposte. <laughs> no, I mean, I think Yusuf's right that the, um, the games have, like, a really immediate visual identity, and I think that's the thing that is both most consistent and most interesting throughout both of them. I don't think it's, um maybe a unique identity it definitely these games feel like the like the beginner version of the stalker games to me which are those are like for me those are like fairly unplayable they're like uh the kind of games that you have to mod into oblivion to like get the anywhere approaching like a regular type of experience with them but the metro games short they sort of like compact all those systems into like a fairly straightforward like FPS but I just don't they feel a little too homogenous I think and there's like not a lot going on for me that I find interesting beyond like that moment to moment like trying to survive in whatever situation you're in that stuff I think is the strongest stuff the rest of it like the overall plot and like the sort of backstory with these factions that are in the metro and then the uh the science fiction stuff which is like sort of like fear style like alien kids and all this stuff um not a huge fan of that stuff to be honest but it's interesting i don't know uh post bioshocky trying to you know render this uh it's not like a heavily simulated world but it is like credibly like lived in and stuff Read. Hmm. I I like them a decent amount. I think, uh, but I think <laughs> I agree with Astrid and Yusuf. You know, I think um, it it is sort of stuff you've seen before. Uh, I'm trying to. I was trying to think while Astrid was saying that about what makes it kind of stand out for me because I do think there is something that that sets these games apart a little bit more. Um, just on like a basic, you know, their their uh, visual identity, but maybe it's more audio. You know, there's there's stuff about these games, and when I think of them, I guess you, I kind of hear like the uh, just that really sort of like somber plucked acoustic guitar that introduces the games, and then you hear people playing when you're walking around these stations, um, and these like almost I don't know like B-movie fake Russian accents that a lot of the cast has or maybe some of them are real you know I, I don't know but it, it sounds like cartoonish almost you're walking through a, a station and you have these people yelling at you like spies in a Cold War movie you're not yelling at you they're, sometimes they're just talking you know they're just uh, conveniently having revealing conversations about <laughs> important things in, in the metro as you walk by um, but that said I mean I, I played these both again I played the uh, the first one I played the remaster halfway through until one day it decided it just didn't want to work anymore no matter what I did so then I played the second half of the original one which was weird um, and uh and then played Last Light, and I think Last Light's really interesting because it's sort of, you know, like when Astrid's saying this, these feel like a beginner version of, of Stalker or something, to me they almost feel like they're kind of like a fulfillment of a lot of what Stalker was doing uh, mm. in a way that sort of a, a human being <coughs> can actually interact with <laughs> instead of like some like advanced AI or like yeah. multi-tentacled game monster can like Stalker's getting a really bad rap here, okay? You just gotta well, bang your head against these <laughs> impenetrable systems over and over again until you win. I played I played that first one. I mean I, I don't I don't have anything against that game. I think they're part of what makes them interesting is how just like they feel like something that just kinda like appeared on your computer and seems like malware or something and you just interact with it until you figure out what the fuck this thing is. But Metro is like, you know, sort of the maybe like it's not a great analogy, but the the blockbuster version of like the art house movie. You know, yeah. it's like the same thing but remade. Um and Last Light is almost kinda like that for twenty thirty three where it distills things even further and the action scenes are 
are actually like pretty exciting i thought in in last light and in in the first one in 2033 they're not very exciting <laughs> i don't think um but anyway i'm kind of rambling on there's there's a lot of stuff i very much dislike in these games i think the you know the motions at at <laughs> representing any kind of politics are like hilariously like i don't know it feels like something you'd write when you're 16 and think was like super trenchant interesting um, that you should say that reed did you well maybe this is in my head too because you told me yeah this. i couldn't find like a like a source source for this but on the metro wikis it says that the author of these books was 18 when he started the 2033 novel so like the backstory and the world building all has this sort of like cobbled together like rad shit feel to it (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then there's aliens or not aliens and they're dark and then communists yeah i mean I don't know, like, I, I talked to Ed a little bit about this, too. I think there's a lot of potential in this stuff, but you have to... Aspects of the game that are just sort of subtle. Like, I think some of the use of these religious motifs and some of the implication of, like, you know, the the Cold War and World War Two kind of lingering on with nuclear weapons and blah, blah, blah. That stuff's all really interesting when it's not outright stated but everything that's like made explicit in these games is like kind of too goofy to credit i don't know sorry that was way too long of a no no yousef what do you think though about the more sci-fi ish elements of metro i agree that they're they they're pretty hackneyed i think they you know, it, it's, I don't. I didn't play Last Light again, so I kind of just thinking about it from my memory of playing it the first time, where you kind of start the game with the, aren't you being addressed directly by the Dark Ones, or, and they kind of like it's super mystical, and it, it like kind of piles on the Chosen One tropes like really hard, and um, it's just like it's all just kind of painful to to experience. Like it's just like the obviously the least like no one likes this in this game like people who say they like it do not like the supernatural parts like i really hope they get rid of it for the open world they probably won't yeah um because it's like so intrinsic to the narrative i guess like because yeah it's just i sort of like get why they set it up this way like where at least in the first game where like you know this idea that you're just continuing the the this disastrous aspect of humanity like or mm-hmm. the self-destruct the self-destructive nature where you're just like bombing yourself some more because you don't understand don't understand um this outside force um but i don't know just like it's basically like a MacGuffin to to have this this element that, that like is a that you use to illustrate that so i just like is the human like the the parts of this game that are that work are the humanity like the human parts of it and like and i think also like secondarily like the stuff that seems directly barred from stalker <laughs> it was really weird like the uh the glowing electric ball thing yeah. like i was like oh, this yeah. is a stalker i'm like <laughs> are they just referencing roadside picnic or a stalker or, like that was really confusing yeah. that that was in the game but um I mean, I, I like that stuff. I'll, you know, whenever it's like mysterious, you don't know what's going on. Like, then that's fine. Like, that's useful. Like, in just in, in a way to to establish the 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 environment as as inhospitable. But when they, you know, it becomes like a sentient alien, like plot driving force, then it's just like it doesn't. It, if it's less, it doesn't. It doesn't land, and it isn't effective. No, I will point out, kind of the uh interesting factoid i guess there is a psychic child in andrei tarkovsky's stalker which is a movie that i think maybe gets referenced a lot with these games both the stalker games and the metro games not tonally by any means but i guess just because they are russian science fiction and i think the stalker games do pull a bit from roadside picnic which is the book that's all based on but anyway there's a psychic kid in that movie but it's obviously uh, handled in a much different way and there's like uh, a character arc associated with it and 
sort of some like subtle subtext stuff whereas in the metro games yeah it's like a, a magic like <laughs> world saving alien human child person and it who wears pants at one point <laughs> which i don't like it did remind me of <laughs> the i guess the second or maybe the third fear game where they take the alma character and like really run with her and it's like they really get up their own butt with that stuff it's yeah it's like what yusuf was saying too about i don't know some of the stuff you see i think the first one has it it's better about it where you don't even see these aliens really until right uh, the end and this one even starts with that little movie of you know rtm being like i was 12 the first time i saw the dark ones <laughs> and it's like wait you didn't mention that before <laughs> RTO, you're keeping stuff from us. Yeah. And it's like him, and he's like a child, and they like touch his head, and they're like, you're our, our right, friend yeah. or something. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then the ending the ending of Last Light is like they're all in on the Dark One stuff. Yeah. Like there's no going um, back, I don't think. No, I mean, the little kid is. The little kid alien is. I keep calling them aliens, whatever. Alien is in not familiar that's that's what i'm trying to say sure um yeah they they that little guy's like hopping around wearing like jeans and like a cord belt for like (laughs) the last like three hours of that game and it's it's just too much it loses any sense of mystique or uh otherworldliness or anything and maybe that's part of the point but i just think dramatically it's you know compared to in that first game there's this part where you're going around with um it's con who's the guy with the little stringy goatee thing and you're in the tunnels and he's like introducing you to all the the weird shit that goes on in the tunnels and you see an anomaly go by which is like in the stalker games like this just that strange light and uh he points at it and he's like you know it'll do what it wants to do you just stay away from it uh when you see it and it's just unknowable and that's all it is it doesn't get brought up again and you see those ghosts um and he just says these are people who are essentially in purgatory and they it's just like their silhouettes are just left here after the bombs went off and none of this stuff is explained and it's all the better for it i i would say um because you're even like there's a chance that it could just be in your head or like this yeah effect of living in tunnels for you know your entire life like and these yeah. like kind of urban, urban myths, like ma- making or like making it into this like kind of ritual, I guess, or, or this story that gets handed down. Yeah, is in, it, that's interesting. Like you know. Yeah, but then when they start being like, no, these dark ones are like people, and they're mutated, and they're more evolved than us, and they're psychic, and if you. Like, yeah, and they live underground or something like, not yeah, just like in the metro, but they're actually like hibernating. Um, but yeah, I think the horror stuff is the most interesting stuff in this game um and they definitely like leave that behind at a certain point mm-hmm. ed what do you think of these games or did you we can't ever record late at night for ed anymore because <laughs> he's just gonna fall asleep <laughs> no i'm just just resting your eyes no no, no. <laughs> I, I i i don't really have very complicated or, or nuanced opinion <laughs> about Metro. And it's not that I think that they're bad. It's just I I have such weak and sort of frail feelings for them in either direction. They're they're like I don't know Cheryl uh, Crow or the Moody Blues. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think that they're they're too talky. I think that the the section that Reed just mentioned and the problem that I have with all the stuff about the dark ones and the stuff that I have with the problems I have with all the stuff about the political factions is because the games talk too much and everything that Yusef started the show by saying about the denseness of the aesthetic and Reed that you were saying about the effectiveness of the music and Astrid what you were saying about Stalker I think that all of that stuff would pay off much, much more in Metro if it just quietened down. Yeah. And I didn't have so many characters talking to me, explaining this place, and I didn't have 
such a cleanly narrativized sense of what was going on. I, I, it seems strange to me, not strange, but almost like contrapuntal in, in Metro that you have this quite conventional mission structure, this quite conventional narrative structure. You could cross out Archie and put John McClane or something. And that, that feels at odds with, I think, almost everything else in those games because I, I think that yeah. they can be surreal and absurd and sort of frightening, but then also strikingly and sort of nullifyingly conventional. Yeah. And that's why I'm left with a, an almost an absence of opinion because they're like moot. There's, there's just this, every argument for them is, is countermanded by one against every, every tryst and variable and surprising element of Metro is sort of nullified and made moot by something that is really rote and trad and familiar and I yeah. they're not bad but they're just not they're just not they're just like a, a yeah a, a positive and a negative equal charge there's just very little for me to think about them in either direction in either sense See, I would, I would think, and remember, Ed, we, you and I talked about this a decent amount, maybe back. Oh God, I don't know. Maybe when we were talking about like Observer, forever ago, and talking about the idea of, um, sort of looking at at games, and trying to bypass some of the, uh, just sort of straightforward, thematic stuff, and, um, sort of taking out meaning from from uh, plot points, you know, essentially d giving close reading to these games um, culturally and looking at just the aesthetic value of these kind of games. And I would think that these, like the Metro games, would appeal to you on, on that point, you know? Because if you... I know what you mean. There are... I was actually kind of struck by it this time that there are a lot of sections where all you do is you could maybe spend 15 minutes just walking behind someone as mm. they talk to you, um, <clears throat> which I don't have a problem with necessarily. Uh, there was more of it than I remembered there being. But there's so much stuff in these games that is just, here is this space, like pretty, I think, beautifully realized, um, and then just look around at it. You know, and Last Light has a lot of stuff where you go up to the surface, and it doesn't seem like you're going up for any reason. Um, in, in terms of writing the plot and everything, it doesn't seem like you're going up for any real reason other than look at this part of Moscow and what it looks like, and, and just kind of like sink it in, uh, I, or sink. I, I suppose it it felt aesthetically just fairly familiar. I feel. Uh, you see, this is what yeah. I, this is what I mean, though. Like, I, this is why I'm maybe kind of reticent to talk on this one because I feel like everything I'm saying sounds disgruntled and disapproving and just kind of biblious and fed up. But what I'm saying is that I, long before I played the Metro games, that explored a, a nuclear wasteland or a, a, a nuclear wastelanded city or. You know that that color palette of metros is is very familiar to me. Whereas something like Observer, the aesthetic there I think was quite challenging and and new, and it was something that I really only experienced in sort of homebrew and art games. And mm -hmm. seeing it rendered in more expensive production value was really exciting. Whereas Metro, I, as we've already done on this show, can point to Stalker, can point to Fallout can point to like Mad Max, can point to the road, can you know, there's just so many sort of aesthetic mm -hmm. bedfellows I think yeah. for Metro that, that regardless of how how detailed and how sort of painstakingly realised it might have been, I never felt like I was stumbling upon something that was to in a word, original. And that goes almost doubly for the game's thematic conceits. Because again, um mankind doomed to repeat its mistakes even in a world that isn't governed by the laws of the past Mad Max, The Road Fallout, you know <laughs> in f the, the Fallout games I think you've got like the Enclave or whatever they're called and then the sort of 
more rebellious ones and it's just you know government versus yeah. people um, so I just and, and you know the, the stuff with the dark ones and that sort of telepathic and mythological connection I, the, the list of games that feature something like that is, is just too long for me to even start to recount so I d- perfectly well constructed Metro but I, I was never particularly shook awake by anything aesthetically but I did. There were times I really liked it, like stalking through those dark subway sections with a torch that I had to sort of manually power up, and things like. I I, I really appreciated. I think it's it's fairly comparatively low body count, and mm. the fact that shedding blood in that game, not in a sort of patronising, affected moral way, but just I think maybe in like an aesthetic way or in a, in a mechanical way or just in a sort of moment-to-moment dramatical way felt impactful uh, th- there were moments I think someone said earlier on I forget who that the, the moment-to-moment experience of this game or something like it is, is much more enjoyable than the game taken as like a didactic or taken as a whole and I agree with that completely yeah. you know a, a, yeah. a, a scene of, a scene from Metro I really love right. but Metro <coughs> I don't really care for I kind of wanted to I was thinking about this when you were talking um, but this is for anybody. This is for the whole the whole table <laughs> at our circular table in the Mid Atlantic. Um, and it it feels almost I don't know not patronizing or or I don't know the best way to put this, but it feels somewhat dismi- dismissive. It, when people talk about these games, they talk a lot about how it's you know these games are so different because they're I think people just say they're Russian even though, you know, this yeah. game is made by Ukrainian developers, right? And I think now they work in... I think they were in the... U- I think they were in Ukraine, and then they now are in, like, Malta or something. I, I can't remember. Anyway, but it's, you know, it's it's very much... It's set in Russia. Um, and it, it wants you to remember that, you know, which I think is cool. And I wonder about, you know sort of thinking about Ed saying that this all kind of looks like other things and I'm, I'm thinking about different little flourishes from this that maybe make it more distinct to me and I wonder how much to any of you the you know quote-unquote Russian-ness of the setting does anything for you mm-hmm. um I actually played the games with the Russian voice acting same but other than that I mean you are going through Moscow, a city I don't know well enough to recognize any landmarks from, but I'm assuming there are some in there. Uh, But I didn't... There's sort of the like the uh, high-level fainting at like the communists versus Nazis thing, but like on actual play level, or like a sort of like level design level (laughs) or any of that stuff, I didn't really get that kind of vibe. It did feel... If, like, Stalker, the game Stalker is, like, sort of the untamed version of this idea, then I think where Metro suffers in both its, like, regionality and just in general is maybe forcing that aesthetic and that style into, like, a really, really conventional, like, narrative, gameplay, everything. Like, they filter it all into, like, really recognizable tropes of storytelling and gameplay for Western audiences. And it, there's nothing hmm. like, like aside from maybe the, <laughs> like the low budget sort of uh, bustedness of the game, I don't think there's anything that feels like, really different to me, I and except maybe the survival horror elements or something you wouldn't see in like a, a Bioshock maybe. I wanna I wanna hear from Yusuf on this one, so I, I don't mean to talk for too long because I want to pass over to him. But one of the, if what you're asking Reed is whether this game connotes to me a certain kind of Russian national identity or, or betrays a, a or, or even just a, a non yeah, sort of a a non-American, western aesthetic or right. my sort of baseline for that is if I wanted to learn something about 
Russian architecture or if I wanted to learn something about Russian culture or Russian history or Russian identity or just to generally get like a vicarious sense of what it's like to be in Russia or to be Russian or in this case maybe you know Ukrainian or, or Baltic or from a, a country in Eastern Europe my baseline is would I play this game in order to learn about that area or that historical period or that people in the same way that I might pick up a book or watch a documentary or a film to learn something about that area or that people and with Metro I don't think that I would I don't think that I, I kind of felt like I gleaned much about a place, a people, a time a culture that I didn't already suspect or it seemed to be playing on like stereotypes and, and, and images and visions of, of Russian identity or Russian people or Russian wherever um, that I already had in my head rather than being like the product of research hmm <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely tough um, because yeah like when you ask someone like especially an American or whatever like you know to picture Russia it's, it's always going to be laden in stereotype and like especially like prop Cold War propaganda like where I'm like you know I feel like a lot of the a lot of the settings of this game would look the same in any culture <laughs> like that's like bound to a city right where you're kind of just like people stringing you know stringing along and and, and like and, and huddling together for survival like I think like it's Russian because everyone has Russian accents <laughs> like um and in the in the in the setting um maybe more um more like impactful is the budget and the fact that the game was successful on on the budget it had and and it and potentially like because of it because like it feels there's a lot of parts where it's broken but that m helps it along in the same way that it did with Stalker where you just like, if this was a smooth experience, it might be more boring. For example, like in the library, which was a memorable place, this very difficult thing, like place yeah. to get through, and partially it's difficult because the librarians, like the giant ogre-like um, mutated monsters, don't. Well, you can't really tell what the, what the rules are of engagement with them. Yeah. Like, you have to stare them in the face, otherwise they'll attack you. Sometimes they'll attack you anyway if you're staring yeah. them in the face. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it doesn't matter at all, and that's kind of cool because <laughs> you're just like, I don't know what's happening. Like you're just like confused and frustrated by the mechanics, and that kind of like aids um, that, that that works really well with the with the um, the setting and the context. So like, I think that's. I mean, I don't know if it was uh, my, that might have been a purpose, but it also feels kind of janky. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of the game feels that way where you're just like, did I hit the guy right? Or like, did, is he, why is he shooting at me immediately? Like it, they don't have the thing where, you know, a lot of like triple A games where the enemies like miss you the first few shots, um, to make it feel more like an action movie where you can just pop around a corner and shoot. Um, in this game, like if you pop around the corner, you are immediately nailed, at least in Metro 2033, the, the original version. I didn't play the remaster. They might've fixed it. Yeah, they but smoothed it, a lot of stuff out. Yeah, and I felt that I definitely felt that playing Last Light as well, and and kind of to its detriment, where I was just like, um, it was I'm like, oh, this is like really like a triple A game now, and it re and it like just kind of dampened some of the excitement of it. Maybe it's just like the 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 feeling of going to a thrift shop or like finding like uh, like a really old like secondhand game somewhere or a movie that's like all like a, like a VHS that's like half destroyed like mm -hmm. it, like there's like that excitement of of experiencing this thing that is not it's not like polished or perfect yeah. and in the case of Metro that works really well for it because they're trying to sell you a world that's not polished or perfect and like um yeah so I don't know I don't think that's necessarily russian but it's certainly <laughs> like not um like a mainstream like American production like not from like one of the top three studios or something yeah. which I liked yeah yeah I don't know I don't know it's it's a hard topic too because I know I've been like have read stuff over the years about these games and about Stalker and stuff and I think it's like a pretty easy thing to do to just say oh you know I've never lived in Russia or anything but this is Russian you know so I'm kind of like hesitant to 
I don't know. Yeah, I think that's coming from like stereotypical like understandings of Russia, where you're like, of course it's like Russia because everyone's poor and like huddled around fire, you know, fire barrels or something. Like this depiction of it in like Western media, where yeah. it's like everyone is like is so miserable. <laughs> and I think yeah. the, that's where maybe the Tarkovsky comparison is just like a really easy touchstone, because of course like they're really there's no like similarities to speak of. I don't think. I've never seen that, so I'm poorly... Well, it does not feature hordes of, like, little monster grubs that run at you, and you have to shoot them while looking down at the floor or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. There, There is something to this game, though, and it's it's maybe a bad way to have been going into this podcast, but, like, ever since, you know, Yusuf gave his first description about... Uh, different aspects of it than Astor was saying it, it, and Ed has gone on to say that it feels a lot like other post-apocalyptic stuff there's still something about this that I'm like <laughs> fumbling around at trying to to think of why it feels a little bit different because you know what Yusuf says too about when you play the 2033 the original one and Last Light back to back it's pretty uh, it's pretty drastic how much it's been kind of like smoothed out and mm. and in in a lot of ways for its benefit i think that some of the action in last light is is very actually exciting you know sort of like call of duty style um just like uncharted style look at all this stuff falling to pieces and you're running out of i don't know you're running to one place while a million monsters are closing in on you and it does that kind of stuff really well um but even though it's more refined, it still has this kind of like inexplicable difference to it that doesn't have to do with like the brokenness or jankiness or anything. I don't know. I mean, I, it I has have no like answer for it. an actual like uh, you know Russian cabaret show like halfway through, which is identifiably Russian. That's true. Like, well, yeah, so and they kind of like insert like, that culture in there. And like little things too, like all the guys wearing the uh, striped Russian army shirts too, right? It's like one of those like visual motif things. Mm. I, in a few years ago, I think I wrote an article <clears throat> with a really kind of quasi-pretentious aim, which was to theorize why post-apocalyptica was so popular in video games, why so many games set after the end of the world. And I think the two things that I suggested, one was that games or, or, or video game writers are, for various reasons, afraid of doing human characters, and by getting rid of them all with an apocalypse, it, it sort of vacates them, and it makes it an easier thing to write when you're not having to write sort of complicated human people. And the other thing was that the apocalypse was kind of complementary to like the, the mischievous nature of games and video game players. It's it's a world without rules and games have mm. kind of garnered a reputation as a sort of safe place for experimentation and, and letting off steam. Mm. So the apocalypse provides a, a kind of a playground for that. And I think that that is true of certainly Fallout. I think it's true of uh, that Mad Max game I think it's true I'm trying to think of like other post-apocalyptic games now and I'm struggling to come up with them right off the top of my head um, Last of Us Border Borderlands Borderlands is certainly true Last of Us kind of I think The Last of Us it certainly wants you to it, it, it dilutes your guilt I think about killing and using guns because you're either shooting monsters or like marauders mm -hmm. um, so I with that as a as a, a a general guideline, but not I'm not saying it's like a ubiquitous rule that the apocalypse is often used by games to sort of um, dilute your sense of guilt and to make you feel like it's okay to be mischievous. I think Reed, maybe what you're trying to put your finger on about why Metro feels different is I remember a line, and it's either at the beginning of 2033 or Last Light, where they actually say something about specifically how many people are left alive in the Metro. And there's a sort of implication and insinuation that, that, you know, like with the bullet economy thing, which never really comes into play mechanically, but at least sort of suggests no. thematically that bullets are a commodity. Mm -hmm. There's a sort of impression that 
killing somebody in this world is uh, significant. I think they say something like it's like six or seven hundred people or something like that, or maybe like six or seven thousand or something. So I can actually remember playing these games and almost counting how many people I sort of knocked off of that total in the Metro every time I shot somebody. So I suppose what was different for me with the Metro games compared to other games of the post-apocalyptic genre was I felt responsible, I think, and I, I, I felt slightly guilty and I, I felt like a sort of concomitant um, responsibility to, to the, the world that I was in as opposed to the other post-apocalyptic games where I feel like I don't have a responsibility, I have like a almost like an obligation, like a privilege, like a right to be as you know wild as I want. In Metro it felt like there were reasons to behave and that's not something that I felt in other post-apocalyptic games. One thing, because I was thinking about that, and then there's an option, at least in Last Light, I can't remember if they had it in 2033, because I didn't use it, where you can knock out anyone you sneak up on instead of killing them. It's, you know, two different buttons, mm. like a lot of games. Um, and you're talking about the... Because I do agree with you to an extent. I think, like, some of the biggest firefights in these games are, you know, the end-of-game... Uh, really test your skill kind of thing is, I mean there's an invasion at the end of Last Light where you have to hold this one station against these uh, I think the Nazis and you know they send in maybe 50 people which is you know more than you've ever faced off against and you have a bunch of people and they're like holding on for dear life um, but at the same time you have this, this sense and I kind of wanted to buy into it of life being maybe more precious there but they're also putting you up against either i think it's a like literal monsters um who you know that just try to kill you yeah. unthinkingly so there's not really much of a i don't know i didn't <laughs> stand your ground law i think holds in post-apocalyptic <laughs> moscow so it's like literal monsters or uh nazis um, or like Soviet style or like Stalinist style communists so and, and pretty much no one that you face off against who sort of is in like a middle ground of mm. any of this stuff though in the on the front line in Metro 2033 I felt pretty bad about killing every killing anybody uh, I mean maybe not the Nazis on the other end but um, when you first start you're basically on the com like you're basically trying to I actually kind of enjoyed that part because you're like, or the setup of that, where you're just amidst a bunch of recruits who are f kind of press ganged into joining the military and don't want to be there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, almost like it, it, it reminds me at least of like, you know, even like, was it Call of Duty 1 or 2 where you play, where like the Russian, like you play the Russians and you have to like, you don't even have a gun, bullets for your gun or something. It's Which is the, a, probably the best thing Call of Duty ever did. Yeah, well, uh, they, where, they stole it from Enemy of the Gates. <laughs> okay, there you go. Enemy of the Gates. All Western concoctions of uh, Russian experience. But it's like, um, interesting, yeah, where you just, you need to get past them, but they're going to shoot you if they see you. Which also made it really frustrating because the stealth was terrible and I couldn't get past them without killing somebody. Um, and yeah, you're like, I felt really bad at killing those people. In particular, yeah. because like they were just like they were just regular people that they were forced to fight. Mm -hmm. I guess this is one thing that because I was thinking about that and I'd kind of forgotten that you do get that glimpse. And in the first one too, you are you're kind of nobody when it starts, right? You're uh, like the stepson of of someone important in this like relatively podunk station, right? Like kind yeah. of hero's journey, like. RTM, you go and do this, you're nobody. Um, and in the second one, and this maybe speaks to something bigger that's been going on in all this conversation, is like, you start off and you're part of the order. You're part of like the elite paramilitary uh, like <laughs> Metro UN kind of. Um, and then when you see the communists, it's like notably this guy who helps you out for a while, Pavel who backstabs you and then he's you know going on and on about this sort of like stereotypical 
like hardline communist stuff um and then you are in like the nazi bases where they're talking about where there's like you know rooms full of just bodies like dead bodies that people they're executing for everything so it all becomes i think like a lot more cartoonish and exaggerated than in the first metro and i wonder if that's like i think that may be part of a broader thing going on in this series as it goes on that Mm -hmm. nuance is just kind of like erased yeah i wonder this is maybe a different topic but i wonder about the sort of recurring appeal of the of like your character the player character being like caught between two separate factions or a multitude of different factions and not really belonging to any of them sort of like a I guess it's like a hard-boiled detective like trope like Red Harvest and then like uh, film noir and stuff but it seems to come up a lot in video games a lot of times obviously in RPGs where they do it so you can like choose your allegiance or whatever but a game like this like maybe loses something by having you be this third party to like these sort of like broadly drawn uh, warring factions. I, I think it. Well, it's so you should be a Nazi, is what I'm saying. I think it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think. Well, I think the trope appeals to the iconoclast. You know that that sense of yeah. when you when you enter a game, you enter a game to be mischievous. Uh, you enter a game to to also to feel superior and to feel powerful and being separate right. from any group and and sort of cosmopolitan in that way rather than fundamentalist. If you want to draw some kind of sociological analogy. Yeah. Uh, makes you feel iconoclastic and by extension powerful and by extension mischievous and like you've got some kind of extra knowledge on this world than everyone else in it because you know yeah. that's them joining up like you're above it all too yeah like you're somehow. above it all exactly and, and also like the, the yeah, arbitrator like of it all yeah I mean they're also like very it's the developers are like the they feel very anti-ideological in terms of like just setting it up which is I mean, not, you know, you can't bl- necessarily blame them for that, like being kind of anti-communist, considering how it worked out in Russia. But, um, yeah, you kind of get that vibe of just like, it's kind of similar to like Bioshock, right? Where they were just like, anybody who ascribes to a dominant, or to an ideology as a cohesive group is like, just either suckers or authoritarian or fascists. Or yeah like you know they're stuck or they're not your friends like they're just people to to, to get through mm-hmm. even though you are like your own like groups are have their own ideology like like the other stations like you know maybe they're i, I kind of picture them picture them as just capitalists <laughs> like because they were just like they yeah. were not communists or nazis but or like but they you know the the idea of the the, the bullet market while well, it's everywhere like that's kind of the the centerpiece of like a lot of these other stations. Yeah. And they have a uh, beggars too. A- at least in the there's one good one who in last light you come into that I think it's Venice station where Yusuf was mentioning before the cabaret. Uh, and you go in there's a guy who's a he's he's talking about how he's like a starving theater critic. And then nobody <laughs> has that people say there's no use for a theater critic anymore now that you know we're in the post-apocalypse and people need to like gather food and and be doctors and you know engineers and stuff and he's saying you know the theater critic is more valuable than ever before because someone has to uh you know interpret the art and uh make sure that the entertainment is fitting and everything but that venice place is like maybe the best expression of of what this game thinks of uh, of sort of like a free market system because it's its own shade of fucked up that's maybe more not maybe I think it's way more interesting than uh, than the communist or Nazi stations because um, yeah you have stuff like this this art critic you have this cabaret uh, and then they fall down they could almost say something interesting but of course it it doesn't with uh, strippers and prostitutes too but it never becomes anything do the rest of you do you remember this well enough this it's like venice station part in the last light i remember the cabaret vaguely but nothing about sex workers 
there's your yeah, like this stuff was unfortunate <laughs> because it, yeah for me it was like i was like because i think 2033 gets away with being fairly not necessarily misogynistic but definitely like masculine run and like um kind of the women are t- take a back seat like they're like chefs or work in the market and then in uh last light there's a lot of like really explicit stances that are taken that are just like so gross like the sniper woman yeah. for example like there's like she's like i'm a tough lady <laughs> and you can't i'm not your friend and then like halfway through she's like oh you are so strong <laughs> so let's have sex like it's just so weird like just and, and, and kind of speaks to that 18 year old storytelling <laughs> like you know just like a dude would write this fan fiction oh don't you get a lap um, dance isn't that it in last light yeah oh god yeah, yeah. hell yeah and then like the aren't the sex workers like don't they kind of turn on you or they reveal you to the nazis no she the the one the uh lap dancer is like you're about to be discovered by That's it, yeah. <laughs> pavel and the other communists here like shadowing and trying to eavesdrop on Mm-hmm. And then she kind of like pulls you into a room. So she actually, I think, kind of saves you. Mature okay. content. It's it's <laughs> very mature. It's only for <laughs> mature adults. Mature gamers. That, like what Yusuf was saying too, and in, in, I think Metro gets away with it, uh, or or makes it less obvious because you you barely see any women, and then the last light when it's like almost like ridiculously on the nose the women are madonnas or whores Mm -hmm. that's that's it and always victims too which is like there's like so much violence toward women which is really nasty like when you go in the train car and the two soldiers are like threatening that woman with, with rape right and you can kind of like sit there and like like listen to them threaten her forever (laughs) until you like shoot them i guess oh god it's just like I don't know, like the the that added fidelity, like you know, kind of they kind of showed their ass with it yeah, in these, some ways. Because these aren't like games about like misogyny or like an oppressive society in terms of gender. It's just sort of like edge lord like flavoring that they put on top to make it seem like more extreme or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean it. Yeah, I I know the people who wrote this are are separate from that. Uh, the guy who wrote the books, Dimitri something, right? Yeah. But but it does kind of I mean, I think Astrid when he <laughs> told me he, like that, yeah. that this was like the Aragon of Russia <laughs> that like I was like, Oh, okay, this makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> and it almost it like kind of, Yeah. Well it inverted sort of, from like stuff like The Witcher where like Witcher One was like way more like just teen like teen dude yeah. jerk yeah. material. And then like th- three definitely like added much more nuance. And then like this is like you get the invert of that here. Yeah, where, like, right. The second one is like boobs. Look at these boobs. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that yeah. bombshell, uh, <laughs> boobs. <laughs> look at these boobs. We can't end there. Come on. <laughs> uh, I think we'll wrap up. Let Yusuf say something smart to be the last thing. Um. Um. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Ed. No. 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 You gotta go, you gotta I, go to I, sleep. Go to I've, sleep. I've, I've got boobs. nothing smart to say. <laughs> if anyone else has. No. I, I don't know. Dick, these dicks. Look at these dicks. <laughs> They're <laughs> stop balancing. If only. This <laughs> Metro Fair. Exodus has the dicks. Yeah. Yeah. I hope yeah. so. I think it, it, there's not enough naked penises in games. There's a quotation to take out there's of context. That, there's that been the order. I think that's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. That's why this part what? of the reason. In the order, <laughs> at the at like the very beginning. Is there a one in the? You're, yeah, your guy's being like waterboarded and he's fully naked and you see his little dick waving around. <laughs> no, it's for like a split second. The, listen, this is at the end of the game. There's like a werewolf guy, and then his his uh, his wiener's flopping about. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Ed, how do you not remember this? Remember we did an episode I'm on the I'm pretty sure people wrote about it, too. They were like, oh, man, here we go. Look at this dick. There was, like, Grand Theft Auto game, too, and they are like... Yeah, there's one in that. There's a few you know, of those yeah. cowboys at Rockstar. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Those, those wild guys. Um, do you yeah. see the dicks in uh, Candy Lynch, too, when they're naked naked for no, that scene? Or is it just out. their butts? Pixelated. 
Mm. Oh yeah, unfortunately, they, sh they should mod that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want a, a remastered edition. When I was at primary school, you know, the rumor used to go around that if you did X, Y, Z and put this really long cheat code into Tomb Raider, then you could make Lara Croft naked. Surprisingly, yeah. the the same culture never arose around Kane and Lynch too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I remember uh, the gaming magazine I'm going to put out is going to have uh, a centerfold that you can un... where it's like early polygonal Kane. Mm. Is it Kane or is it Lynch who has the mullet? Uh, that is Lynch. Right, yeah, it's going to be Lynch in the shower. Uh, polygonal one. <laughs> For our hot summer issue. Hey, they're both, they're both Square Enix properties, yeah. That's true. That's a very good point. Yeah, Every Square Enix game has a cheat code to <laughs> nudify their character. Yeah. <laughs> this is canon. Oh, right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode on Metro 23 and Metro Last Light, you can go to bulletpointsmonthly.com and read articles by Yousef, Astrid Reed, and myself all about the Metro series. You can also, if you like that website and this podcast go to patreon.com forward slash bullet points and donate to us some money which we use to fund our anyone what do we use it for we, we just piss it all we away we buy things don't we we buy things with it we throw it into the wind <laughs> we we take it we because we're anti-capitalists yeah so we take it and ed goes down to you know the, the british atm the the ATM, <laughs> and he takes out some some fucking pound sterling. Yeah, he throws it into the he throws it off the cliffs of Dover. No, ac actually, no. You use the money to buy bullets, which you then use to buy food <laughs> and, yeah. and resources. Military for the grade bullets. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, high quality. Uh, Only the best. No, we use it to pay our freelancers and ah, that's um, true. to yeah. when we get into sticky situations where we need money in order to cover things yeah that's always good and to pay expenses it's all very it's none of it's exciting no none of it's romantic it's nothing sexy is it that we use the money for no um no. so yeah but it's a worthwhile cause i'd like to think so if you think this is a worthwhile cause yeah go to patreon.com forward slash bullet points and help us keep the lights on uh what are we doing next time everyone we're doing we're doing Metal Gear, mm. aren't we? Metal Gear Survive. Metal Gear Survive. Um, the classic, the classic Metal Gear. Yeah, the, <coughs> the, the best Metal Gear. Yep. <laughs> the Godfather Two of Metal Gear games. <laughs> <laughs> Young Robert De Niro as faceless mother base soldier. <laughs> So that's next month on Bullet Points. We'll be back with four articles on Metal Gear Survive and a podcast. And we've also got Far Cry 5 coming up. Uh, there's all sorts of things There's all kinds up. of exciting wow, new games. Bits yeah. and bubbles, yeah. Cutting yeah. edge. Mm. Got wad, of, wad of gore, I think, is coming out soon. You know, my advice is don't read the mainstream gaming press. <laughs> <laughs> My advice is just come to bullet points, yeah, and uh, other other worthwhile but not mainstream places, um, none yeah. of which I can think of right now. Heterotopias is a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not mainstream. Unwinnable is not exactly mainstream, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah, you have to buy these at at, uh, at punk shows. Yeah. You print off the URLs and you can <laughs> get them at the door. That's the kind of stuff you should, sweet. should be reading. Pay what you can. You can drink in the alley to save money. <laughs> Yousef, where could we find you if we were, for example, on Twitter? Well, if you're on Twitter, you could find me at Yumiyu, Y-O-U-M-E-Y-O-U, and that's a good place to look. Is that where you put your award-winning writing? Every last article every last syllable gets a gets a link every last syllable, syllable. fantastic okay all 280 characters read <laughs> read what about you you swine <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can find me at read mccarter what do you do there i post links to the stuff i write and then sometimes i i like and retweet things mm. 
uh, and sometimes if I think of something that makes me giggle while I'm vacuuming, I'll uh, wait. I'll wait till I'm done vacuuming, <laughs> and, and then I'll tweet it. That'll be on your Twitter as well, will it? Yeah, that's that's where that stuff lives. Wow, that's that's. I tell you what, that sounds like great content. <laughs> Thank you, Astrid. Uh, you're not on Twitter, are you? Oh, I'm extremely on Twitter. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Hastapura. What do you do there? Um, like what Reed does. Yeah, I just talk a lot of shit, honestly. Yeah. And I retweet articles from bulletpoints.com. Bullet Points <laughs> Monthly. Bullet Points Monthly fan account. Yeah, we couldn't get bulletpoints.com. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on, I just uh, let me just. What is bulletpoints.com? It's probably something we don't want to look yeah, at. Yeah, I mean, give them. Buy the pa- or buy into the Patreon so that they can buy bulletpoints.com. Bulletpoints.com. Uh, uh, hey! Like they were meant to have it. It's, wow. Okay, forget it. Is it uh, like some right wing? No, 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 no. <laughs> Domain for sale. Bulletpoints.com. $95,000. Okay. So, so that's our, that's that's our new goal. That's, there's a, there's there. a stretch yeah. goal. <laughs> <laughs> so let's. let's Your see money well we... spent, people. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if uh, we, can, we can drum that up by the, end of, by the end of March. Do you know what's kind of sad? I suspect that if all of us sold everything that we own we wouldn't even be close to having that amount of money (laughs) oh dear yeah okay no i think it's great financial planning as well i think it's not only good for us as a an entity but also good for us all our financial portfolios (laughs) to own that domain that domain right well i'm on twitter and you can <laughs> you can follow this uh, website at bulletpointsvg. It features all our articles and stuff. It's all on one handy Twitter feed arena. Uh, we will be back next month. Until then, I'd like to say thank you to Yusuf for joining us. Happy to be part of your podcast once again. Thank you. We appreciate you. having you. And I'd like to say, to a lesser extent, thank you to Reed and Astrid for uh, for being here. Also, yeah, whatever. Yeah, bye. <laughs>